maybe mention this next week more about it, but Psalm 22, then we'll go to our main reading after that, beginning to read (coughs) at verse 2. O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. Turn with me also to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 20, please. And we will be taking this more as a reading, so please keep your Bible open there. <clears throat> now you find it, that's just by in a word of prayer. Father, Lord, we are never... We never ceased to be astounded at you, Lord. And Lord, when we feel that you have done all, then, Lord, you come fresh and you and do more. And when we feel that there is no more, you have rivers, oceans to swim in. We ask you, Lord, now to take your people, those who want to swim take them deeper those who want to paddle call them to the shore but Lord I'm asking you in Jesus name that you would move upon every heart and life this morning we need you we want you we love you we exalt you and we praise you So glorify thine own self, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. In Psalm 22, I know you have your Bibles open at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But in Psalm 22, the psalm cries, he shows his heart. The psalmist here, David, shows his heart and he says that during the night time, And even in the daytime, in verse 2, at every season, he says that I am not silent. He says, I'm crying unto you, seeking your face. There seems to be no help. There seems to be no breakthrough. In other words, Lord, where art thou? Lord, how long, O Lord? That's the idea of the heart, and that's why Psalm 22, by the way, is known as the Psalm of the Cross, the sufferings of our Lord Jesus as he hung, bleeding and dying, and God poured out his wrath upon him. He felt like all alone. He was deserted that you and I could be brought in. He was deserted of his Father that you and I could be reconciled to God. He took what we should have took. He was where we should have been. He was our great substitute. And when you read this, think of 
the Lord Jesus on a cross. And tell me, does it not touch your heart? When you read of this, you look and say, Lord, in all honesty, when I open this word and hear, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring as Jesus cried it on the cross? Read it prayerfully and ask yourself, Lord, who am I? What am I that you would come to visit me and to save me? And realize without him you're nothing. But realize in him you're not only saved and forgiven, but in Christ you are the beloved of the Father. This is whom, this is what our heart should have been. This is what we should have taken on. Crying, as it were, day and night, relentlessly. It gives the idea where there's an outpouring of the soul, an outpouring of the heart that cannot be quenched unless God come. And you know, he died and he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he went to the tomb. And when he went to the tomb, his father came and raised him from the dead. And when we think, and you read this when you go home, and think of him, think of his broken body, his shed blood, his agony. And when you read that, then ask yourself, ask yourself, how, even as Gary led that song, who shall cease, how could I cease to sing his praise? How can I be in in a place where we're worshipping and I can't sing? How can I be among God's people and the Spirit is moving and I can't rejoice? And when you get an idea of really, truly what Christ has done for you, you will rejoice every chance that you will get. You will be unashamed of him. You will be unashamed to show your love to him, to express yourself to him. You will be unashamed to praise him and to worship him. But my, my partner and my family might not like it. You'll be unashamed, mother's family, husband, wife, or children. You will be unashamed. You know something out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And what is in your heart will come out of your mouth. If your heart is full of talk and if your heart is full of, well, wrong language, let's put it like that. If your heart is full of what you're watching on television, if your heart is full of what you're reading in newspapers, if your heart is full of glossy magazines, then your heart will live like that and you will speak like that and you will act like that and you will run around with company like that. And if you have a heart that's full of bitterness, then you will be better and you'll speak bitterness and there'll be no love and grace and mercy in your tones and your accents of your voice. But when your heart is full of Jesus, then the tones and the accents of your voice and that which you rule out on your life as your life rules out in front of you 
will be full of Jesus, will be full of him. People will see Christ in you because you've been to the cross in truth. You've been to the cross in faith. You've been to the cross in spirit. And you've seen it all and you've said, Oh Lord, if you can take my place and do that for me. Oh Lord, then my tongue will not cease to sing of thy praises, Lord, and to glorify your name. If you have really been touched by God. Well, I can't sing. That's why it says make a joyful noise. Amen. You have heard me singing. I make a joyful noise. And guess what? I don't care who looks at me. You know why? Do you know why I walk up and down like a lunatic down the center aisle singing and praising? Do you know why I'm up and down here shouting and roaring with my hands in the air unto God? Do you know why? Because I love him. And he rescued me from much. And until we really realize in our own being how much we're saved or what we're saved from, how much he saved us from, whether you've grew up in church all your life, he saved you from the world. He saved you from the hurt that's out there. He saved you from the, the, the depravity and the degradation and the filthiness and the sin of it. He's kept you from it if you've grew up all your life in that. He is, that's something to really praise him for. Someone says, I haven't got a great testimony. Listen, everybody's testimony is really the testimony of God. It's not your own. It's the testimony that he has given to us, for he has done it all. Whether your life is full of alcohol and drugs and all that sort of stuff, and he saved you from it, or whether your life has been a life of going to church and growing up in church, he saved you from that also. He has preserved you, so you give him glory and praise and honor and thanksgiving, and be unashamed of it. I'm unashamed of it. We sing sometimes, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord and to defend his cause, maintain the honor of his word, the glory of his cross. And sometimes you think, are you really unashamed? Because you wouldn't think so. Some people with their lifestyles, you wouldn't think so. Some people are afraid to to expressively tell him, I love you and worship him. You wouldn't think so because you're ashamed of what others would say, what others would think. Be unashamed, brother of Christ this morning. Be unashamed, sister of Christ this morning and love him. In Psalm 22, listen to what he says, but thou art holy. Thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. I don't really want to go into this too much for I might touch on it next week. Notice what he says in verse 4. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. In other words, when you put your trust in the Lord, the Lord will not disappoint you. Brother, sister, can I ask you something? Usually I say, don't put your hand up. But see if the Lord has let you down, brother. See if the Lord has let you down, sister. Then put your hand up, please. Good. Because the Lord is no disappointment. 
And the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never let you down when you put your trust in him. He will never have you confounded. In other words, he will never make you embarrassed of him nor ashamed of him when you put your trust in him. Lord, I am trusting you for this situation. Then put your whole trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So since we're saying in verse 3, Thou art holy that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, we haven't time to go through all of this, but here is the, the gist of it that Moab and Ammon, the Ammonites, all come and they gather against the southern kingdom of Judah. I'm always telling you about the distinction between Israel and Judah. Israel are the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern. Jehoshaphat, he's, he's, he's a good king. He's a good king who loves the Lord, who wants to love the Lord. And wants to love him more. Yet he's like all of us. He didn't remove some of the little idols away in the mountain place, the mountain tops. You know those wee idols we like to hold on to, but don't like to give over to the Lord. You know those wee things we like to keep secret for ourselves, that wee titbit and treat that we just don't want to yield to God. You know those wee idols. Who knows those idols? I do. Not yours. I'm talking about mine now. <laughs> and there's always a yielding to God. There's always a giving. There's always a bowing of the knee. There's always saying, Lord, this is for you. There's always the Lord saying, come this way and give me that and I'll give you more. And we don't want the yield of that. And Jehoshaphat was like that. He loved the Lord, but he didn't remove every idol. And the enemy comes to the camp. The enemy gathers around the walled city of Jerusalem and boy, are they in trouble. For there's no way they can defeat the enemy. Look at verse 2. There came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria. And, be, and behold, they be in Hazon Tamar, which is in Gadai. Notice that. So here comes this big, vast army to take over Jerusalem. And Judah and Jerusalem are starting to tremble. Verse 3 says, And Jehoshaphat feared. Brother, is that you this morning? The enemy has come and caused you to fear. Sister, is it you this morning? You're afraid the Lord has been blessing you? And now the devil comes and says, Oh, there's something in your body that's not right. It happens to me. The devil comes and says, Oh, you're not well and you're going to die. The devil comes and says, your family is going to get taken away from you. The devil comes and says this, that or the other. And he brings a spirit of fear upon you. See, the enemy were outside the camp and they says, we're going to take over. We're going to take your children. We're going to take your families. We're going to take your, your possessions and your belongings. We're going to take all that you have. And we're going to ravish it all and decimate every one of you. Jehoshaphat starts to fear, brother. Starts to fear, sister. The light comes on. I wonder did Jehoshaphat know that we song, Where would I go? Where would I go? Seeking a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to guide me to the end. Where would I go but to the Lord? We're told Jehoshaphat 
feared and set himself to seek the Lord. See, when fear comes, seek the Lord. Cast it out, seek the Lord. In the face of the enemy, it looks impossible, seek the Lord. He set himself means he set his face. Jehoshaphat says, oh, I'm, tra- I'm trembling, I'm fearful. He's looking to the left and to the right. There's nobody to help Then suddenly he goes, only the Lord can do this. Only the Lord can help. Only the Lord can vanquish this great foe and enemy. Only the Lord can give me victory. And how does he give him victory? He sets his face to seek the Lord. You know, many Christians, when things come to them, they, they're, they're, they don't pray. They're through praying. Brother, sister, will you just look at me for one minute? Don't be through praying. Pray through. Don't be through praying. Pray through. And what happens is, long story short, they gather their children and all the congregation comes and those who really would trust all gather together to seek the Lord together. Looking for a breakthrough. Looking for the enemy to be vanquished. Verse 6, they start to praise and say, Lord our God, the Lord God of our fathers, art not thy God in heaven and rulest over all the kingdoms of the heathen and in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee, not me. Only you can do this. Art not thy our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before thy people Israel and give it to thy seed, the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. They start to praise him. They start to remind God of his own word. They claim the word of God and they say, Lord, you have said this. We believe it. That settles it. That settles it. Okay. Fear is all around them. And we find them here in verse 12. Look at verse 12. All our God Wilt thou not judge them, for we have no might against this great company. I have no hope, Lord. Have no hope. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know what we to do. You ever get like that, brother? You just don't know what to do. Sister, you just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do about this circumstance and situation. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about how I'm feeling. Don't know what to do about this fear. Neither do we know what to do. Notice what he says, but our eyes are on thee. Did you get that? Are your eyes on the storm, the circumstance, the person, the fear, the worry, the stress, the fretting? Are your eyes on someone else for deliverance or something else? Where are your eyes this morning? Keep them on Christ. See, when we were worshiping here, the Spirit of God was moving. It was like a river flowing in here this morning. Did you keep your eyes on the Lord or were you daydreaming up into the ether? Or were you standing with your arms closed or you just didn't want to know? Or, you know what were you like? Did you enter in and say, Lord, our eyes are on me? I'm going to close this because I told you it's only a reading. I could open this up another time for you. Verse 15 says, Hearken ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and thy King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Don't you worry about the enemy. Don't you worry about this whole thing that's coming against you. For the battle is not yours. Did you hear that? 
And you know, there's many battles in a war. They're going through battle after battle. And when you get to this battle and you get a victory over it, you'll have another battle. But God will give you the victory over that one. And when you get the next battle, God will give you the victory over that one. And it's not yours, it's the Lord's. And when you get over battle after battle after battle, you know what happens? You realize that at Calvary, the war was won. How do you know? Read the book at the end. It tells us they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. But it's when we love our own lives more than the life of God in us, that's when we get our problems. Flick over, I want to show you this, and this is where we're finishing. I'll tell you what we'll call this this morning. Jehoshaphat's worship team. Jehoshaphat's worship team. Let your eye run down to verse 20. And about halfway down for time's sake, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established or kept safe. Believe as prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe what the word's saying, in other words. Believe what you heard. The Spirit spoke this morning. I hope you took it in. Take it on board and listen to what the Lord said. The river of life. The Lord's going to break in here if you stay faithful. The Lord's going to come here. The Lord's going to use you personally. The Lord wants to bless you personally. The Lord wants this river to go out of here. And as we travel out, the river is in us to our homes and to our neighborhoods, to the places of work. Church isn't in this building. You are the ecclesia, the called out of God. And God wants to move and bless Notice what he says in verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that he should praise in the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments. (laughs) The Lord did. The Lord ambushed them. The Lord ambushed them. But here's the thing. If you were to read verse 10, it talks of the Levites and the Kohathites. And it also talks about Asaph curing it. And it means they're the ones who were the worship team, the worship leaders, and those who would pray and praise. Now, if they decided we're not going to be there, they wouldn't have had victory. When this worship team gets up here, you are important in this, this, this ministry. And we need here for you to be worshipping and praising, to break the hardness that's around the people, to take the minds of what they've left at home, that when we bring the word, there's victory in Christ when we preach his word to people. You are Jehoshaphat's worship team. And brother, sister, when you're out there, and you start to feel down, start singing and praising the Lord. Start worshipping him. Go in and you don't know how to pray, you know how to sing. You hear the word every day, singing all them old songs of your woman, Lady Gaga, more like Goo Goo, the way she is. You hear them singing all these on the boat, and they're unashamed. And a Christian asks a Christian to sing, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord, and they would whisper it under their breath. Folks, and when they began to sing, the Lord set ambushments, and the Lord gave them victory. You know what happened? The devil was vanquished in the praises of God's people. Let's praise him this morning. Let's worship him this, tonight when we come out. We have to close there. God's going to bless us this morning. God's going to bless you today. God will bless you tomorrow when you set your face 
to seek him and he will bless your family if you stay faithful and remain in Christ. That is in the place of prayer, praise, opening your heart to him. Let's praise the Lord with our giving this morning. Gary, close for us as we close. I told you, try not to keep you too late. This morning we just sang him a praise because the Lord wanted it that way. Isn't that good? It's different, isn't it? We sang him a praise. That's what the Lord wanted. That's what we want to do. We want the Lord to take the platform. We want the Lord to take charge. We want the Lord to take over. We want the Lord to take control. Let's sing as we close. Thank you for your attention. Could I say tonight we're on from Gabatha to Golgotha part three. And this tonight we're going to look at the sign that they wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And what did it mean? That's why they were infuriated. Because I said Jews, no, it was more than that. The name of God was hung around his neck. And we're going to look at that tonight. So the Lord bless you. Please, you put up close to I exalt you. That's exalt him. Just like we heard there as the pastor said, it doesn't matter what armies at that door at that gate. Just exalt him. Bless his name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Bless his holy name. Thou, O Lord, art high, above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above Oh.
Oh 